Can we just say that? Glorious church. Let's say it one more time. Glorious church. <laughs> you know, the church hasn't always been glorious, has it? Not to get in specifics or anything, but how many of you have had a less than glorious experience in church at some point in your life? Just raise your hand. Yeah, unfortunately, that's true of a lot of people. And the church itself has been kind of spotty here and there throughout the centuries, sometimes really bad, you know, like the crusades and, you know, conquering people and the, you know, Inquisition, all this kind of stuff. Like the church universal hasn't always been that glorious, right? Would you agree? And even in our recent history, I remember I was in a seminary in Springfield, Missouri back a few years ago, just a couple years ago. And, uh, <laughs> and there was something that happened at this big Assembly of God church that I was kind of tied into at the time. And there had been something that happened where one of the pastors didn't come down hard enough on some, uh, some, some abortion situation in town. And so there's this church, and many of you heard of them. I'm not even going to mention their name. But it's this church that goes from place to place, and they pick it, and they spew all this evil and hatred, you know, like, die in hell, you filthy murderers, and all this. Like, just horrible. And I, next thing you know, I'm, I'm at seminary, and one of my buddies says, you should go check out the church right now. So I go to the church, and sure enough, they're picketing up and down, and they're cat, you know, you know, homosexual things, and they were just really being really rude, and, and just hatred was just spewing forth from them on their signs. They'd come all the way up from Texas to come to our, to our church to picket it and do all this crazy stuff. And I'm sitting here going, are you for real? And of course, what does the news media do? Boom, they just come right in. Look how hateful the church is. Look how mean they are. They're anti this and anti this. And I'm just like, oh, swing and a miss, <laughs> you know, had a chance to do something, you're good, and no, these people come in and just mess the whole thing up. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the church to move from weirdness and hysteria and a history of just awfulness through the centuries into a place of glorious. You guys ready for that? Like, I want the name church I mean, like, almost today, do you realize that just using the name church, have you ever had this? Like, if you ask somebody, hey, do you go to church anywhere? If they don't go to church, they go, mm. <laughs> like, they, have, they don't want anything to do with church because they've either been hurt by it, they know somebody's been hurt by it, or church is boring, or church is mean, any of these things. And I'm ready for church to be a word that when we say it, People have a completely revolutionary new way of seeing it and hearing it and experiencing it. Would you say amen with me? Because here's the deal. We get a choice. We get to be whatever kind of church we want to be. Because we are epicenter church. Say it with me. Epicenter church. We, that's what we are. And we are that because Jesus was pretty clear about using this word church, right? So in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 25, it says that Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself, Jesus himself, the church and all her, say it with me, glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, 
but that she would be holy and blameless. Now that sounds like a pretty glorious situation, doesn't it? And even in the definition of what he's saying, Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he's saying, Christ gave himself up for you guys and he's going to present you blameless and pure and holy and awesome to himself in glory someday, right? So we're not just going to be a glorious church in heaven someday. He actually expects us to be glorious now and present us to himself someday, right? So that thought, you know, even this morning that somebody else is going to be the light on the hill or somebody else is going to take light into darkness. No. (laughs) You ever see football players do something good or basketball players and they start hitting their chest, you know, they're bouncing around, you know. Like, we should be doing that. Like, I'm the light of the world. (laughs) I'm the glorious church. I get to be a part of this, right? I'm not waiting for somebody else to do it. I want to do it. Amen? Amen. And that's what Jesus expects of us, too, because it's, it's so clear. In fact, we won't go into it deep, but we went to Matthew chapter 16 last week. And uh, we're just going to tap on this. Peter and the disciples are there, and, and Jesus is teaching them. And he asks them this question, like, who do other people say that I am? And they went on to answer, well, some people think you're Isaiah, you're an old prophet, you're something else. All these, everybody has an idea of what Jesus is. And then he looks at them, you can almost see him like, you know, when somebody wants to get really serious, they, they, they just look you straight in the eye, man, and they catch you. And he, I could just see him doing this, and he asked him this question. Yeah, but who do you say that I am? What, is, what am I to you? Remember we talked last week a little bit about it. It doesn't matter who Jesus is to somebody else. Like those people storming up and down in front of the church with all that vile hatred. I don't think I want that Jesus, <laughs> Right? Their version of Jesus, I don't want that Jesus. The, the version of Jesus that hurts people in church and, and then they leave an offense and all, I don't want that Jesus either. You know? I don't want the Jesus that is, that is just, hey, I'm going to go to church for an hour and that's it for the week. I'm good to go. <laughs> like, when I think of Jesus, I want, I want it to be glorious. You know? I want it to be something more than, I don't really care what other people think. I care what, I, what he and I are doing. Amen? So then he says, and then Peter comes back, one of the disciples, and he says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. <laughs> you know, like Peter starts preaching, and he, and he declares who Christ is, right? And, and at that point, Jesus says, you know, there's this whole misconstrued thought of uh, where Peter declares that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, you are Peter, and on this rock will I build my church. But he wasn't speaking to Peter that he was going to build his church on. He was speaking to the declaration of who Peter said Christ was. That's the foundation. That's the rock. Peter, by his very definition of his word, I don't know why we get this so confused. By the very definition, he says, you are Peter. And you know what Peter is? It's rock, but it actually means pebble. (laughs) It's a small stone. And he says, Peter, small stone, your declaration, big stone, foundation, is what I'm going to build this, my church on. The declaration that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world. And he says, in, in verse 18, he goes on and says, and this truth, what he declared, and this truth of who I am, Jesus says, will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church. <laughs> Does that sound like a question in there anywhere? <laughs> That seem like ambiguous at all? <laughs> Not really, right? Jesus declares, 
you know, I could almost feel like maybe the rocks start to rumble just a little bit on the, on the, on the playground that day. You know, like, like they were all there. I will build my church. In some of your Bibles, he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? In the, New, in the Passion Translation, he says, I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death, the gates of hell, will not be able to overpower it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. You know what I would say to that? He's not playing around. I have a daughter and a son, too, that are starting to drive. In fact, Sydney's already got her thing, and she's driving. And yesterday, we're going to go to Sam's Club, and we come out the door with me, myself, and all my girls, and Sydney says, Dad, can I drive? I said, sure. I take my keys, whoop, and I toss them to her. Ninja skills. She grabs them out of midair. She gets in the car. She gets behind the wheel. She moves the seat forward which then she doesn't ever push back. But anyway, she, she gets in. And you know what? I've told her since day one, when you're behind the wheel, you're responsible and you're in charge of everything that goes on in this car. Like down the road, if you're driving with friends and, and she gets in an accident, and she says, well, they were doing this and they were on that. Nope. No excuses. You're in charge. You've got the authority. You are the one that's going to make or not make something happen in this car. Right? And I almost get the feeling like Jesus does that to us. He takes the keys and goes, hey, by the way, I'm going to build my church. Boom. And he tosses us the keys, and we reach up and go, bam. And he says, listen, everything in the heaven realm is now supposed to be on the earthly realm. And what you accept, you accept, and what you forbid is forbidden. Now, how many of you know that is a powerful, powerful statement, amen? And he says, listen, I don't want to mess around with all this because if you read through the, the New Testament, especially the Gospels, church at that time, the Jewish religion and the temple system and all that stuff, Jesus was getting ready to just you know, kind of wipe that all to the side. He was starting over. You want to do an interesting search? Search for the word church in one of your Bible apps. I use the version one. I did this yesterday just on a whim. And in the book of Acts, so he starts this new thing with the disciples, and we move into the book of Acts, like church here, church there, this verse, church, 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 all the way through the book of Acts, it's church this, church that. And I thought, man, up until that point, the first time you hear the word church is Matthew right here, when Jesus says, I will build my church. But after that, you know he's got a plan. He says, listen, I'm going to build my church and watch book of Acts. Church, 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 church. Verse after verse, you get into the New Testament. Church, church, church. Paul's writing, church, church. Man, Jesus really does have a plan. And he wants it to not be notorious. <laughs> he wants it to be glorious. Amen? He wants this thing to be powerful and mean something and make an impact. And so uh, this morning, I wanted to do this for a little while. We'll, we'll have enough time. I, I want us to consider this morning... What does a glorious church look like? And so uh, I want you to get around a table. If there's one near you, just get around a table. And if you're just sitting, you can just take a break and come on over and come together. And there's some paper there and I think a pen. And here's what I want us to do. I want you to just take, I think I have seven minutes on the clock here for this. I want you to make a list of what does a glorious church look like? 
All right? And I want you just to flow. I mean, just, you know how you did sometimes when you get creative stuff going on? And, hey, Sandy, can you guys, can, Mike, can you guys go with these guys over here? And, uh, yeah, just grab a table real quick, move around. And uh, what does a glorious church look like? So I want you to write down or list as many different qualities and attributes of what a glorious church does or should look like. All right? And just go ahead and just... Just flow with it like you're in a creative meeting at your work or something and you're coming up with ideas. What does a glorious church look like? Just start writing and, and let's go. Give me a list. You got six minutes and 19 seconds. Go.
Okay, wrap it up. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Get as many things down as you can. I started singing. Okay. Put down your pens. It's <laughs> good. All right. Glorious Church. Did you get a good list? All right. Do you have a, a, a list for your table? And what I'd like to do is I'm going to bring the mic over and I want you to just to read your list. And everybody, here's what I want you to do. If somebody at another table has one of your characteristics or qualities or attributes, I want you to just put a, a check mark by that one. In other words, if yours is the same as somebody else's, just put a check by it. And then what I'd like to do when we're all done is I want to collect all these lists and we're going to compile them and I want to put them on the website for the church so that everybody can see everybody's like, we're moving pretty fast today, but give you a chance when, in the notes for the, for the message today just to see what, what God is doing. All right, so we'll start with these guys right here. And... Uh, here you go. Okay. Loving kindness. Loving kindness. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Hopeful. Unity. Spirit-filled. Praying church. Body of Christ. Supportive. Living example. Grateful. Fellowship. Giving, hungry, that is for more. Blessing church, full of people, thankful for the church, and self-aware of who we are. Yeah, give that group a hand. That was a good, that was a good list. All right, uh, who's going to be the spokesperson over here? Amy, all right? Yes? No, I'm just kidding. No, we're in unity, bro. Come on. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay, kindness, accepting, peaceful, powerful, not easily offended, holy, encouraging, forgiving, not condemning, loving. Oh, we didn't say loving. We just, I just added that. And, and thankful. Did I miss any? All right, let's give it up for this table, too. That's a nice list. Nice job, guys. All right. Who's, uh, wow, double-spaced and double-column. All right. All right. Really, we're running out of time, kids. Let's, uh, okay, here we go. Music, anointed, presence of the Holy Spirit, praise, family, community, trust, no fear, lots of favor, authentic, freedom, Relevant, uh, revival, abundance, looks like Jesus, word is alive, messy, gloriously, humility, anointed worship, uh, creation or creative, shamelessness, no respecter of persons, no walls, revelation, and supernatural expression. <laughs> you should have, you should have done this, man. Just 
<laughs> mic drop. Hey, mic drop. There you go. Ooh. All right. Great list. Thanks, you guys. That was really good. And to who's doing it over here? Good guy. All right, Sam. Happy people, no division, everybody involved, eating, fellowship, reaching out, worshiping, a place of learning, a place of healing, building a community, and a purpose of hope. All right, awesome. You guys all wrapped up in a top 10. They had a 1 through 10. Oh. Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. You put that down on your list there? All right, excellent. Now, you can either stay where you're at or go back to your seats, either one. I don't care. Oh, oh, yeah, I've missed one table. Sorry. We got the, the two mighty men of God over here. All right, Joe. Okay, uh, love, uh, compassion with wisdom, forgiveness, thankfulness, happy outgoing people, everybody involved in something, no conflict within the body, and Holy Spirit prevalent. Prevalent. All right. Let's give it up to these guys over here, too. All right. Nice job, gentlemen. Okay, so how many of you get a little, I don't know, like, yeah, you feel good putting stuff down like that, don't you? Because you're going, I think that this would be the kind of church I want to be a part of, right? And I, I have this thing as, as I was kind of going through this myself, and uh, let me see here. I had a couple things that, that, that are similar to yours and my own, but when I was making my list, God, Holy Spirit just, did you feel it in your table? Did the Holy Spirit just kind of start rolling with you a little bit? Stuff started rolling off your tongue and these thoughts, and of course there's several that are similar, but there was some differences too with the tables. I had things like, uh, in addition to some of yours, clean, you know, the sanctified thing we talked about, confident, engaged, friendly. The idea of legacy. How many of you want to be a part of a glorious church that you actually get to hand off to the next generation? Hallelujah, amen. Like kids and teenagers and all that stuff and people that are not even here yet, you know. Generous, involved, hopeful, mindful of eternity. And we talked about connected, I think connected to God and each other. Growing, alive, kind. These are just some, some of the things that I had. And so, uh, Kathy, would you be in charge of collecting those lists for me so we got it? Oh, they already did. Man, right on top of it. Thanks, Mike. All right, so it's interesting that the Word of God actually has, like, okay, let's make sure we get this right. All of those thoughts and all of those ideas that you had, do you think they came from you or do they come from Holy Spirit and from the Word of God? Right? We're not just going, oh, I want a big playground or something. Like, you, know, you know, like, we're not coming. The things that are on those lists that we just talked about, those are Holy Spirit-inspired things. It's as if, if we could see him right now, Holy Spirit is actually in one of the chairs around your table, and he's like, yeah, I'm in on this. Let's do this. And he's just, like, it's just spiraling the, the thoughts of hopefulness, right? And the gloriousness, if you will of what he has for the church. How many of you just raise your hand and say, I want to be a part of that? Hallelujah. And here's the cool thing. I think the church is very similar to people. In other words, when someone accepts Christ into their life, if they make a decision and say, you know what? I'm turning over the keys of my life to you, Jesus. 
I'm not in charge anymore. I want you to come in. I want you to wash me clean, like it talks about, sanctifying, holy. I want you to take away all the junk, and I'm going to give you ownership of my life. When we do that, do you understand that very few people, I don't know any, actually, that when they turn their life over to Christ, they're instantaneously perfect. Do you know anybody like that? Look around your table. You don't see anybody like that. Why? Because even though we turn our life over to Christ and we become perfect in his eyes, when he looks at us, he doesn't see sin anymore. But I'll tell you, as many of you know, this is a journey, isn't it? Like some of you had some stuff in your life that you've worked through in the Holy Spirit. Would you say amen? And just we could make a list of all the things that God has changed us. Well, I think the same is true in church, that we make a list of what we want this to look like, but how many of you know that some of those things on that list is going to be a part of a journey for us, right? It's part of this supernatural atmosphere. Like, we don't, by any stretch of the imagination, say, hey, we got this supernatural thing down. Obviously, we don't, or every single person we touch would be healed, and there'd be fire in the building and all that stuff, right? How many of you know that we're still walking into our destiny, as both individuals and a church. So when we look at a phrase like, have hope in a glorious church, it's actually us as individuals and a body of people, and not only us, but you know the universal church, moving forward. And sometimes that involves getting rid of some stuff that doesn't need to be there. Like one of the things I really feel strongly about, and I know some of you agree with me, but the idea of people in church saying, they're offended. Everybody take your hand and go like this. <laughs> That's got to stop, <laughs> right? We don't really have a right to be offended in the church. And how many of you know that out of offense or criticalness or these kind of things has done more damage to more people and really set the church back in a lot of ways? Now, we could pick a whole bunch of things, and we all know there's stuff we got to work on. But what if we were... <laughs> I say this with my kids all the time. Like, they'll say something to their brother or sister, and it may be an okay thing to say, but the way they're saying it sounds like, you know, Lucifer just jumped into my living room. You know, like, what? And I'll say to him, I'll say, you know, we have this little phrase, it's not the what, it's the how. Right? What if we became a kind of church that even though I, there were things that need to be addressed, you know what the Bible says? Speak the truth in love, right? What if love was our main goal? You know what I'm saying? What if we were really more concerned about the other person and how they took what we were saying as opposed to making sure we say the thing? You know what I'm See where I'm going with this? And then just having us have this unoffendable spirit in some of these things. You know, this idea of the glorious church is a work in progress. Are you say amen with me? So here's what Paul says to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians... Uh, 1, verse 2. He's writing to the, now mind you, it's the church in Corinth. All right? Corinth was one of the largest Greek cities at the time. It was this massive metropolis. And he's writing to the church in this huge city. It's almost be like saying to the church in Chicago or Chicago land. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So he's not writing to, you know, First Baptist Church on the corner of Fifth and Main. You know, like, he's not talking to this whatever. He's actually talking to the church in this region. 
It's pretty cool. And he says this, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ. Sanctified, in case you're interested, is a $10 word that basically means completely pure and holy. (laughs) It's almost funny to laugh at because here's a bunch of people in Corinth that live in one of the most ungodly cities in the world and has huge prostitution and temple worship and all this. I mean, just, it's a horrific, horrific, sinful city. And he's writing and he says, to all of you saints, and how many of you know that even in that church, much like our church or any other church, there's a bunch of people in there that were probably still struggling with, you know, sexual addiction with the prostitutes. They're probably struggling with alcoholism, different things. They'd been set free, but how many of you know there's people in process? And so he addresses The whole church in the whole city, in that whole region. And he says, what? To the church in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. You see what he does? He says, you're a glorious church whether you know it or not. Right? He says, you're this amazing, sanctified people. Who you are in Christ is way up here. And you're still in process in some of the things that are going on. And I love that because he doesn't... Churches can get a little snooty, can't they? And what I mean by snooty is churches tend to look down on lowly sinners and on people that they think are better than themselves. And, you know, it's like the parable Jesus told of the the guy who gets beat up on the road and the religious people, two of the priests and the temple people, just walk right by him. And then some Samaritan comes along and says, hey, let me help you out. I'll take care of you, right? See, the religious part of us and this whole thing tends to get a little snooty. And how many of you know that's not what Jesus has in mind? Again, in love, I just want you to look around the room. Because this are the group of saints. In fact, in some of your versions it says, to the saints in Corinth, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Philippi, to the saints in all these different cities. He doesn't really, he doesn't see you the way you see you. He sees you as the glorious sanctified church. He sees you as amazing. Again, I refer to my children. You know, any of us, if I was to, if I was to, uh, if I was to talk to you for a little bit, and I began to point out all your flaws, how many of you? First of all, it wouldn't make you feel good, right? But how many of you know you don't really need any help in pointing out your flaws? You already know your flaws, right? You already know your stuff. How many of you know that in our world today, and in the church in particular, this is why prophecy is so important. Because what does prophecy do? It calls out the gold in people. It calls out the good in people. And more often than not, not only in the church but in our world, people need to be told that they're, that they're good, <laughs> you know. I'm not saying there's not sin. I'm not saying there's not issues. But how many of you know we change a lot better in the atmosphere of love and moving towards the powerful things of God? And prophecy can be so important in this because you get to look into someone and God begins to see how he sees them and you get to see them through his eyes. You think that should be a part of the glorious church? Amen. So we begin to look, and I I love this. 
Paul's looking at him and he says, you're saints, man. You are the, the holy ones that God has done. And it's this glorious thing. We don't have time for all of this this morning, but as, we, as we're going to move on here as a church in the next few weeks, uh, the next two weeks we're going to be looking at a, a series called Thanks Living as we come up to Thanksgiving. And it's this idea that we're going to be living differently in, in terms of thankfulness and how God sees us and how God sees other people around us, right? And then after that, we're going to move into a, a series that we've been really percolating for a long time, and that is uh, on spiritual gifts and how God has actually made each and every one of us as part of his glorious church with gifts and purposes and talents and abilities that for many people, they don't even know, or if they do, it's at a, at a level where they haven't really experienced it and it hasn't come to fruition in their lives. How many of you this morning would say, I want to be and experience all that God has for me? Just raise your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? And uh, I just feel like God wants to do one thing before we're, we're done here today. Hallelujah. There's so much more I wanted us to get to today, but we'll, uh, we'll get to that in the next few weeks. I want you just to do me a favor. I want you just to close your eyes today. I believe Holy Spirit this morning wants to begin to solidify some things. Hmm. Hallelujah. And again, I want us to be, that you understand this is not condemning or pointing out flaws or any of that stuff. But I want your mind just to begin to go back to that list that you made at your table and some of those things. And Holy Spirit, right now, as I begin to pray over you, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to solidify some of those things in your life. And not, not anything negative. This is only His Spirit is going to begin to speak life and to bring forth some things in your, in your spirit right now. And so, Lord, I thank you today that you have given us these thoughts that aren't from us. They're from you. Your thoughts and desires for a glorious church, oh God. Glorious church filled with sanctified, holy saints. Because of you, Jesus. Because of the blood you shed and the, the cross that you bore. And now with resurrection power. Lord, we want to be that glorious church. We want to be those glorious people. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just give you freedom to speak into each of our individual lives. Your thoughts, your creative thoughts into who we are and what you have for us. Right now, Lord, begin to resonate our mind with, with these different lists, these different thoughts and ideas that we came up, these different qualities of what a glorious church looks like. Speak to us. Bring it from the back burner to the front burner, God. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, Lord. I want you to do something, as just with your eyes closed. It's just you and, and Jesus. It's just you and Jesus. And 
Holy Spirit is working in this place. When, when your mind and when Holy Spirit begins to solidify a certain thought, a certain quality or a certain idea that comes from him, and, and if, when it starts to become like that's the thing, there's, there can, let's just choose one right now. When there's just one, I just want you to put your hand up just as a way of affirming and agreeing with what Holy Spirit is doing. As he just speaks to you, just as he, as you begin to land on a thought, or could be a couple, I guess, but but just as you begin to interact with Holy Spirit right now, and he land, something lands on you, and it and it stays there. I want you just to lift your hands in agreement this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Have your way with us, oh God. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Your thoughts, our thoughts. Yeah. Go ahead. There's no, nothing's going to happen. It's just you and him. But it's just a way of affirming and, and, and coming into agreement that you're saying, I hear what you're saying, Holy Spirit. I hear what you're saying. And I'm, I'm agreeing with you right now. Just lift your hand. Just give you a couple other seconds. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So now, Lord, we celebrate that. And Lord, as we leave this place today and we move out into our world, as you have spoken to us through your word and through the prophetic word, God, that we are the light on a hill, we are the glorious church, and we are called to bring light into darkness. And Father, I pray today that as we go from here, this is not uh, something, it's not an in-school assignment, it's a take-home. We get to take it with us, oh God. And so as we walk from these doors, Holy Spirit, quicken us. Remind us of how glorious we are, how sanctified and holy we are, and how much love you have for us and those we come in contact with this week. And I pray that today in Jesus' name. All the saints said, amen. Amen. Just a couple of things before you go. Uh, we have a ton of business cards with our church name on it, address, map, the whole, website, the whole thing. They're, they're all out on the welcome desk and the front desk. Take some with you, and as Holy Spirit inspires you, and as He quickens your spirit, and as you have a thought, just go ahead and invite people. I would say this: let's make it a goal that everybody invite or bring with you at least five people this week. Amen. So I encourage you to do that. Grab a card on the way out, and then secondly, we have some ministers that are going to be up this morning. Uh, I think Paula and Pat are going to come, and if you need prayer for something, if you have never given your life to Christ and you'd like to do that today, we encourage you to do that. They're going to come and just give you some time of prayer ministry up here. And, uh, and if you need a prophetic word or you want healing or you want prayer, uh, these, these gals will be glad to do that with you. If not, God bless you. Have a great week. Go, go be awesome in Jesus' name.